Welcome to SIDCast, a podcasting resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. My name is David Gibson. If you could, before you get any further into today's episode, go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get this podcast, leave us a rating and a review. It only takes a few minutes and it allows for the show to grow uh, as we expand upon our listenership, our fan base and as well as telling the SID story. So, uh, also, be sure to go ahead and go over to Twitter and Facebook. Give us a follow at SportsInfoCast on both of those platforms as well. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. And just like that, we're back, and uh, we just got done with, I'm sure everybody knows by now, the uh, March Madness uh, Selection Sunday was this past Sunday, and we will get underway with all that chaos uh, today, starting with uh, Louisville and Minnesota at 12.15, 11.15 my time. It's not like I'm counting down to it or anything, but I hope that, um, I, I know that it's a busy time for you, but I also hope that it's fun for you in some way. I also know that the uh, women's basketball tournament starts uh, tomorrow. So, that being uh, Friday, um, so I, I know that you all are busy. I know that it, it can be absolute hell sometimes for you, but um, again, find time for yourself if you can. Uh, I might be preaching to choir on that, and you're probably rolling your eyes at me right now. But uh, a little update on what USI basketball has been doing. It has been a fun time. Uh, we did qualify for our field, like I mentioned, I think, in the last episode. Uh, we went up to Romeoville, Illinois. Um, won our first round game uh, against Ashland, the Eagles. Uh, Dusty Sloan was on the pod a while ago. Uh, so we took down them. It was Eagle versus Eagle, actually. And then we played the number one seed and the host. And boy, was that tough. We were down by 14 at halftime, came back and won that on a last second layup, guys. And when I say last second, I mean the ball literally fell through the hoop with no seconds left on the clock. And it was amazing. And I swear, I'm going to get like an eviction notice from my apartment because I shouted that loud. Um, that kid that's a sophomore that did that, and I'm just so happy for him that he was able to get that one through. And then so we went on to the regional finals, the Sweet 16 of the Division II level. Um, and, God, we played Bellarmine. And uh, if anybody knows anything about Division II basketball, um, Bellarmine is the top dog, the guys to be we've played. That would be the fourth time we had played, uh, this season because they're in the same conference as us. Uh, so we played, they beat us once here in Evansville. That's when they were fully healthy. And then we beat them when they were the number one team in the country, um, at their place. And then we got absolutely demolished by them, uh, in the conference tournament, in the conference semifinals. So, uh, it was looking good. We took a lead very early, and um, then things started to go a little south. And uh, I was working baseball. All of us were out of baseball, and I turned it off on my computer. And um, I, I was a little disappointed because we were also playing Bellarmine in, in baseball that day, and um, I just didn't want to look at any more Bellarmine stuff. I didn't want to see maroon. I didn't even want to see the color maroon. Uh, but then my boss starts kind of cheering because he's taking video highlights. Uh, and I'm like, what, what are we cheering about? So people start bringing it up again, and I didn't bring it up because I figured that's the reason why they're winning is because I, I, I turned it off. That has to be the reason why they're winning. So I didn't bring it back up. And it turns out we actually won that damn game, and we are in the Elite Eight. And if anybody knows where the Elite Eight is uh, this year, it's right here in Evansville. So our own basketball team gets to play at home for the Elite Eight. Not technically at home, it's about six miles away. But still, regardless, just incredible feat. I'm so happy for them as a four seed. I think there's another four seed, Mercyhurst, uh, that will be in the Elite Eight. I think we have yet to be reseeded at this point in time where I'm recording this. Uh, but we are looking forward to that. So looking forward to next week. So that's a little what's going on around here. Now on to today's guest, Danielle. Um, we had never had a sideline reporter on this show before. And I think, I mean, we had had newspaper reporters and stuff, but I was not really a sideline reporter. I was kind of a reporter for a 
delayed news station. Uh, so I, I wasn't live. I didn't have to do any of the prep or anything like that. Danielle will go through her background at Troy. Um, why being active is so important in your undergrad days. Why being involved is so incredibly important even now, I guess. Uh, so those young professionals out there, this is this is a great one to listen to and I would pull out your notebooks. Uh, we'll also go through the the preparation, the day for a sideline reporter, um, all the way from pregame, the the conference calls, everything like that. Danielle will go through the whole thing with us. And she did all of this while being the assistant at Piedmont. So she was also doing SID work and then traveling with the Sun Belt to go to these games and do these games on the weekends, which I thought was absolutely incredible. And now that she's not doing it now, we'll also talk about transitioning from an assistant spot to a head spot and all that and more. But first, we will start off today's episode number 114 of SID Cast with Danielle Percival of the Piedmont College Lions and her very first taste of sports information right here on SID Cast. So I got my start in the industry during my senior year of high school. Um, I knew that I was going to Troy University in Alabama, grew up outside of Montgomery, Alabama, and there was a local um, NAI University, Faulkner University, where um, had a couple of connections, was doing some dual enrollment classes, and had the opportunity to intern within that athletic department and really get a taste for the field. Um, helped them with everything from the little mundane day-to-day tasks to um, actual game management stuff when it came to basketball, football, um, doing some halftime reports on the radio for them, and then just doing some student spotlight segments for their television broadcast that they put together, just a weekly little segment, then talked about anything and everything, whether it had to do with sports or not, but kind of got into the athletic communications field and got got my feet wet, got a taste for it, and really just fell in love with it. Um, Spanning from that, the person who was there in that position also had a radio broadcast that was just local sports talk radio. So I got deemed Danielle the intern and got to help out on the radio side of things as well. So not only that experience within athletic communications, but then sports radio in general as well. So really just kind of got to experience a lot of the different aspects of it and just fell in love with it and found where I wanted to go with the rest of my career. You mentioned that you found this kind of through high school. You knew where you're going to be. You know what you wanted to do with it. I mean, what did people say to you in high school um, that early on that you wanted to go into sport? I was just passionate about sports. I have absolutely zero athletic ability, and there are plenty of pictures <laughs> to prove that. So it was nothing to do with personal ability. It was simply the love of the sports. So, uh, Folks, I guess there was kind of a little bit of skepticism just of how well can you really know sports if you've never really taken part in it. Um, But that passion was certainly there and the, I guess, the drive and desire to kind of overcome those um, obstacles and those doubts. Um, I, at first, didn't really know which direction I wanted to head in the field. So sports information actually wasn't at the top of my list, but I knew I wanted to be involved in sport in some aspect. Um, At first, that drive and desire was there for reporting. And so I um, went to Troy University. That was my passion was to do sports reporting, sports anchoring, all of those sorts of things. But then found out that through roundabout ways, local news reporting wasn't exactly where I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. But Um, finding a way to kind of couple some of the same elements that I had fallen in love with, with the reporting and the anchoring and being able to transition that into um, the collegiate athletics field and being able to put that to use with some of the new media and social media, Um, everything that we do in our job, those were lots of the base components that were going to make me successful in this field. So being able to take some of the best of both worlds and combine it into sports information just seemed like the right path for me. When you were at uh, Faulkner, what was your kind of overall experience like? Because I did an internship in high school as well, where I went to a small uh, D3 school that was kind of right next to us um, and worked there. I mean, what was kind of, how did people feel having a high school around the office? I mean, what were kind of the things that they told you, maybe some mentorship opportunities that they might have taken up on with you? Yeah, I think the biggest thing was just take advantage of the opportunities that are presented to you because, I mean, there's there's plenty of opportunities out there. You really just have to seize them. And so 
being willing to take whatever opportunities were put in front of me was really the biggest advice that I was given. And the biggest thing that I would continue to say um, is most important in this field. There are plenty of chances for you to get involved. You just have to be willing. And whether that's going and shadowing somebody in the field, whether that's going and doing an unpaid internship, there are lots of opportunities there. It's just whether you're willing to um, kind of mold yourself to fit into one of those, because the opportunities are endless. Everybody wants free help. There's, mm. There is no lack of, of wanting that within this field because lots of us are dealing with you know limited resources or smaller budgets. And so having somebody that has that drive and that desire is crucial because those are the people that are going to put forth the best work. And that's the best thing that you can put on a resume is those internships, those opportunities that you've had within the field that show so much more than just a piece of paper saying, I have a degree in XYZ. If you can show me what you've done in this field, that's going to get you so much further. I like how you mentioned all the practical work and all the uh, the willingness and the drive. I, I, I don't know if you, you found this the same way while you're at Troy, but whenever we have our sport management program here that I went through at USI, there were some students that were just didn't do anything with it. Like they were just checking off boxes and everything. And now they're, now there are seriously, there are grad students here at USI who literally all they do is take money for the game programs because they didn't do anything during undergrad, um, which is absolutely unfathomable to me. Like how can you go through something and not try to gain that practical experience? Did you find that kind of the same way while you were at Troy or was it a little more different uh, in your eyes? I think it's definitely the same story, just a, a different place because there are, there are people who will go through and just kind of skate by and not take advantage of the things that are placed in front of them. At Troy, we had um, a student run radio station as well as a student run television station. You have opportunities to get on the air as soon as you walk in the door. I mean, as a freshman, you're able to go in, start shooting video, um, making stories, doing packages, getting on the air, anchoring those broadcasts. And just, I, I don't see how you can just put that opportunity aside and say, you know, I'm just, I'm just not interested. I'd rather spend my time doing something else because uh -huh. I mean, it's just such a valuable opportunity that's placed in front of you that is no extra charge. You're there on campus. I don't understand why those are things that you would pass up, but I know that I benefited greatly from going through and having that experience and being able to um, go out to football practice and go out to the games and shoot on the sidelines and kind of just that real feel pace of the game of, of what this industry is and um, just seeing just how demanding with all the deadlines and um, just getting to know coaches and working with different personalities because you can run the gamut through an athletic department where you've got a coach that you can hardly pull three words out of. And then one that you're going to have to edit down what they say, because they've talked for 30 minutes. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you really get to to see the ups and the downs, the ins and the outs. You've got coaches where you're trying to spin it, where you can give as much positive to a program as you can. And then somewhere just the stories are just radiating from the program and you're not having to do as much work. So it's really just kind of seeing all the different aspects of it. So I don't see how you can pass up that opportunity when it's just laid out before you, but there certainly are people who did that. I fortunately was able to take the reins and run with it. And I feel like I got as much as possible out of that experience in college. And it really set me up to be able to step into this industry and, you know, go full force into athletic communications. Yeah, we got one coach that I know exactly what he is going to say every <laughs> single time after every single game, no matter what result. I coach know what speak. he's yeah, coach speak exactly. Um, I like how you mentioned the uh, the the student ran radio station. We we've had the same thing here, and I see often on the Facebook groups um, people griping about the student ran newspapers and, and radio stations and everything like that. Um, yeah, sometimes there are cringeworthy moments, and we all have our stories. But what do you think? Uh, is one thing that maybe you would like other SIDs to understand about that sort of atmosphere with a student-ran organization like that? I think the biggest thing is instilling that professional um, demeanor in them and how they approach it. Um, working with those, whoever the faculty sponsor may be, whether it's staff, whoever, working with them to establish those lines of communication. You need an interview? Email me. You need to talk to somebody prior to this game, get a quote after the game, 
email me, stop by my office, make sure that you initiate that contact so that you're building those professional relationships with them so that they understand if they are to go forward and now work at a local newspaper at a local radio station, these are the same avenues you're going to have to go through because you're not just going to run into these people in the cafeteria and be able to stop and get an interview with them because you see Rachel and, you know, she did well in the basketball game last night you've got to go through those proper channels. So I think the biggest thing is establishing that communication and really working with them to build the proper protocol for them so that when they get out into the real world and into the industry, that it's not relearning everything all over again because they've never done it the correct way, making sure that you're giving them a good foundation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk a little bit about now that you, you're an upperclassman at Troy and now it's time to start thinking about a job. I mean, what was life like at that time for you as it became closer and closer to job hunting season as we do have now? Yeah, I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do specifically <laughs> because I knew that I really wasn't interested in local news, though I had done a lot of work with the television station at Troy during my time there. So, um, it was a little nerve wracking, but um, in the fall of my senior year, um, the Sunbelt Conference, which is the conference Troy is in, uh, we were hosting the volleyball championships and the Sunbelt was coming on site, needed somebody to help out with the volleyball broadcast. At the time, I had absolutely zero experience in volleyball. I had shot footage, I had gone to the matches, but had zero experience in calling the game, but they needed somebody and our athletic communications director contacted the television station and then asked our boss, our superior, Aaron, um, do you have anybody that would be willing to do it? And I said, yes. Again, that speaks to just taking advantage of those yeah. opportunities. Yeah. Um, I didn't let them know that I had zero experience in volleyball and you bet I busted my butt for the next week, making sure that I knew what I was talking about so that I didn't sound like a complete idiot getting on there uh -huh. and talking about volleyball. But Taking advantage of that opportunity, I was able to broadcast, um, I believe it was six or seven matches for them leading up to um, the semifinals and championship. And that was a great experience for me, building those relationships with the Sunbelt front office and their, their communication staff. So continuing to expound my network. And then once I was getting ready to graduate, um, graduated in May and that upcoming summer, they were having media day down in New Orleans for the Sunbelt Conference. And they asked me if I'd be willing to come down and work for the conference covering media day and doing a little thing we called the social suite. So we had fans submit questions. We got the players to come in, coaches to come in and just do a little bit of a Q&A with them um, with some pre-planned questions, but then also with some stuff that fans were sending in on Twitter and Facebook and um, really just a fun opportunity to kind of step foot again into a different little bit of the the industry and work with the Sunbelt Conference down in New Orleans. And from there, that kind of continued to couple into um, a further relationship with them um, later. That was in June or July, I guess July, and then um, took the job at Piedmont um, just certain things fell into place and ended up at Piedmont. And then in September, um, the Sunbelt had given my name to an ESPN producer because they were looking for somebody to serve as their sideline reporter for the Sunbelt game of the week. And having established that relationship with them the, pre the previous fall um, through the volleyball championships and then working with them for Sunbelt Media Day, they passed my name along because they knew I had a good working knowledge of the conference, was um, able to handle myself professionally in their environment. And so I was contacted asking if I was interested in it uh, a couple phone calls later. And, you know, in two weeks, I was down in Mobile, Alabama, covering South Alabama um, on the sidelines, working my first game, South Alabama and Georgia Southern, and um, worked with them in 2014 and 2015 for football. And then in the spring of 2015, covered the Sunbelt Conference basketball tournament down in New Orleans. So you never know what one little opportunity and saying yes could lead to. I mean, I had always said, I'm going to work for ESPN one day. And so mm -hmm. everybody, of course, was, yeah, all right, that's great. But you it wasn't, it. Yeah. Well, and it wasn't just that, you know, it fell in my lap because I, you, you can certainly paint that picture where just all of a sudden somebody emails you and it just fell in your lap. But it was a lot of work that led up to it and putting right. in the work for four years and then reaping the benefits of that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I listened to a, an interview with Mike Tirico, I think it was. Um, and when he they were prepping him to get 
right before he went to do some Olympic coverage, they were like, Mike, you ever call curling before? And, and you know, back of his mind, he's like, no, I haven't. But then when, as soon as on the phone, he's like, yep, sure have, you know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So maybe with you, they're like, you ever done volleyball before? Uh, and that's what happened with me too. Cause I, I think the first time I ever stepped into the sports formation office, I was Zach Shore, which is at a small NAI school. And he, I looked at him, I was like, I'd like to work for you. And he goes, I like your voice. Uh, do you know what much about volleyball? And I was like, I mean, sure, because I play powder buff in high school, maybe once a year. <laughs> and, and I was like, yeah, sure. And he goes, all right, you're calling the game tonight. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, yeah. So it, there are some things like that. I wholeheartedly agree with the uh, saying yes thing. Before we get to, um, before we get to any of your sideline stuff, I just want to kind of go back to the media day stuff. Uh, uh, what was that atmosphere like, first of all, of a media day like that? Um, was it nerve wracking for you at all to kind of take charge of that? What was it called? The social suite, I believe? Yeah. So it was it was definitely nerve wracking because um, while calling volleyball was um, a, a totally different beast, this was going to be, you know, on camera, much more um, high public high publicity um, sport because obviously volleyball you, it's hit or miss with who is going to be watching, but um, football media day, you know, everybody's really fired up and it was a really fun atmosphere um, being down there in new Orleans. First time that I'd ever been down there and um, just being able to be a part of something that was just so much uh, larger of a uh, escape than what Troy had been. I mean, Troy, um, big fish in a small pond and then suddenly going out and okay, now you're in new Orleans. Yeah. How's it going to go? Um, but it was a really great time. Their staff has always been fantastic. Um, at the time working with Travis Llewellyn and Randy Lieberman, um, just really great guys who made me feel comfortable, made me feel, um, like I was just one of the team, not like I was someone who had um, just stepped out of college and really uh, fresh on the scene, but really making me feel like I was a valued member of the team, um, taking my opinions and um, working those in. And, uh, you know, it, it really worked out well. I went back for um, a second year uh, the following year and um, it just, it continued to grow. And it was something that I think really benefited the Sun Belt because they ended up adding a position um, solely for someone to do some of that new media and the interviews and such. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think they really saw the value in what was being added to um, their production to Media Day um, and in increased that role significantly even to adding a person um, within the department and making it a salaried position. Um, so I think that that was something that spoke to how important that role was um, within their department. And then um, kind of working with some of the member schools and trying to get some of the content that um, their students are already creating. So similar to the position that I had been in at Troy, where they asked the sports information staff, do you have somebody who would be willing to do this? They started a program where it was the Sunbelt Rise program, where they started getting content created by the students from those respective institutions and starting to use that across their social platforms and really created almost like an internal internship huh. opportunity for students. And I joked with the guys the year after they created and said, man, that would have been so much fun if I had, you'd had that while I was in school. They were like, uh -huh. well, Danielle, like really you were the one who was kind of the, the lead reason that we wanted to do this because we realized there's such good content out there and we're really missing utilizing that to the fullest potential. I was like, I don't know if you're just saying that to make me feel good or what, but I guess it does make it a little better. <laughs> yeah. Um, take us through now. Now you're a sideline reporter in, in this little timeline that we're going through for you. Um, take us through game day of a sideline report. And I'm taking, this is a risk I'm willing to take of, of it being <laughs> of a long answer, but okay. I'm really, really interested to know kind of what time you get to the stadium. I mean, what kind of conversations do you have? What, what's the, I mean, what's the checklist? I mean, can you spare no detail? Yeah, sure. So um, obviously earlier in the week, we would have uh, coaches conference calls. So we would talk to each of the head coaches, sometimes some coordinators, um, just depending on how scheduling worked out with everybody. But um, that was also kind of a challenge working into uh, my schedule while also being um, in the athletic communications field because I was balancing both of those. Um, so figuring out how to schedule those things in and then making sure that um, the weekends that I was able to be gone, that everything was covered here on campus. Um, so that was a challenge in and of itself. 
but we would have coaches conference calls earlier in the week, take some detailed notes and then find some different storylines, whether that's things that had been covered by the local newspaper, um, something that had even just been brought up on social media, um, just finding different little um, tidbits and things that maybe hadn't been brought to light and finding a way to give those people um, the proper spotlight and give them the attention they deserved. So we get to the stadium usually somewhere in the range of about four hours prior to um, kickoff and we would have um, a little meeting upstairs just between the broadcast crew just kind of to discuss you know what our plan was to run through the open a couple times and make sure that we had that ready to go. Sometimes if we happen to be extremely well prepared and everything was falling into place we'd sometimes pre-record the open just so that that was knocked out out of the way um, so that we could make sure that all the elements came together perfectly before things were really live prime time um, that didn't always happen because usually yeah. there's about a hundred different things that are going on and something's gone wrong because it's not game day until something goes wrong um speaking Boy, of right truth? Yeah. yeah right now our scoreboard <laughs> doesn't work but it's fine we have baseball in a couple hours but it's okay um but we would usually try and go through and just at least make sure that we felt pretty prepared um i'd kind of give the guys a rundown of the different storylines that I had so that um, if they felt like it was something that was segueing into it, we could discuss it like in an upcoming break, like, Hey, you know, let's do the story on Smith in the next, um, the next time out, the next break that we see, because, you know, he's having a really good game so far, or if it was something that was more of an evergreen piece that really didn't have as much timeliness, we could say, you know, going into the fourth quarter, I'd like to talk about this. And so, you know, based on how the game's going, we'll see how it goes, whatever. Um, but usually then uh, following that meeting, head down to the field, kind of see some of the guys down there getting prepared. Um, if sports information staff's down there, just kind of checking in and making sure, that you've got any last minute details nailed down um, or if you see somebody that looks like, Hey, is so-and-so not going to play tonight, whatever. Um, and then usually uh, get down to the field and stay down on the field, usually with about an hour to go and just kind of run through things in my head. I would stand like facing the wall, just talking to myself, going through all of my reads that were coming up so that I would know that I felt prepared. Um, I am one of those that I will write everything out in detail and just rehearse, rehearse, rehearse until it just was coming back out like it wasn't even, it was just automatic. Um, so I would go through and do that for like my intro, any like um, evergreen stories that I knew I was going to be talking about at some point. And then the rest of it, once the game starts, is just keeping notes, following the action, making sure that whatever you're going to be talking about is relevant to what's going on in the game. I mean, my job was to, um, enhance the broadcast and just be complimentary um, to the guys calling the action. So never wanted it to be, you know, let's force this story because that's not, that's not what it's about. You don't want to just try and get it in there because it's a great story. So there were plenty of great stories that we never had the opportunity to tell just because the timing wasn't right. But um, post game, we grab a coach, get an interview halftime. Usually we would try and get the winning coach going in, losing coach coming out of the locker room. Um, if time allowed and if their schedules allowed, um, based on when they got out and what was going on as far as the broadcast, but it really was a fun time. Um, really enjoyed it. Lots of cool atmospheres, um, getting to go to Jonesboro, Arkansas and be at Arkansas state. Um, Blake Anderson has a great program going there and, um, just going to all those different places and being able to travel throughout the year. It, it was really a fun time and basketball was a different beast, but a little bit easier since you're indoors and there is a clock and it's um, a little bit easier as far as figuring out when you're going to be able to break in um, with a lot more breaks and timeouts and stuff. So um, it was a really fun time and I really enjoyed it, but um, I've done a little bit here and there as far as um, like high school reporting. So I'm mm -hmm. originally from Alabama. I've worked with the Alabama high school athletic association for their super seven football state championships. Um, two or three years now and um, still trying to keep my foot in that door but we'll see where the future holds with that all right cool well like I said I uh, was really interested in it and you already actually answered one of my questions I was going to have for you about the preparedness and everything because I know like you said you guys got they got stories every single time out they got little tidbits and that's one thing I admire about the broadcasting profession is just the the level of preparedness um have there ever been a story that maybe you were really interested in or maybe you really wanted to tell that you guys didn't really get to? Um, there's always 
there's always feel good stories for every team that you're able to cover. Um, it's just kind of unearthing those. So um, nothing that specifically sticks out right this moment, but I know that there were always um, great stories that we were able to tell. Um, one that we did get to um, that was um, kind of fun was um, for Louisiana Lafayette. Um, their head coach at the time was Mark Hudspeth and had had a lot of success there. And he had just recently, his wife had given birth to um, a little boy and they had named him Captain. And so we went through the story of, you know, he had given us these great quotes about um, all the great Americans are named Captain and just the obvious one was Captain America. Um, <laughs> but, but then he also said that if they had a little girl, they were gonna name her Lucy Anna because obviously they were in Louisiana. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. So you ham it up a little bit, you sell it. And it was fun because we got to show off a picture of a uh, new baby. And um, so there's always good stories to get to. It's just finding the right time to get them in. And um, now, of course, with social media, even those those good stories that may not get their time on air, you're still able to um, share a lot of those and get those feel good moments out there. Awesome. Well, um, my next question is, uh, did you do Piedmont and sideline reporting at the same time? Is that what I picked up on there? Yes, I did. So I got hired at Piedmont in the fall, well, I guess late summer of 2014. So I graduated uh, May of 2014 from Troy University, got hired end of July to start the beginning of August at Piedmont, and then got the call um, for ESPN to do the sideline stuff. Um, late September. So my first game was September 20th, I believe in 2014. Um, so it was a very hectic time. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I had nowhere near the amount of experience that I would have liked to have coming into sports information. And mm -hmm. that, like that being said, I busted my tail in college and I know that I was busy all the time, but you're never completely prepared for that next step or wherever um, your career takes you. But being able to um, learn on the fly, I had a great boss um, when I got here at Piedmont. Timmy McCormack was our director of athletic communications. I came in as his assistant. Um, at the time, we were a two-person department. It was the first time they had hired a full-time assistant and he was fantastic in um, just the flexibility and allowing me the opportunity to pursue those dreams and still um, be able to work that around um, game schedules because obviously there were still going to be home contests going on on weekends that I was gone, but we worked it out where um, maybe it was just one home game on a Saturday that I was going to be missing. And there were days that I wasn't able to go do sideline reporting because we had too much going on at home. And this was my full-time job, this was paying the bills. So this is what was the priority, but it was fantastic having um, a boss and an institution that were flexible enough to work with me to be able to pursue both. When we were going through some of your background there for a second, you mentioned that you came to sports information by taking some elements of things that uh, you really enjoyed about the sport profession, some things that you enjoyed about the broadcasting and everything. Um, what was the kind of conversation you had to have with yourself about that? What kinds of things did you select um, out of the different things that you were doing. Maybe, maybe there's an SID out there who's, I don't know, might be an SID now, maybe not necessarily like it a whole lot, but they do like some elements or maybe a young professional who's working in sport, uh, kind of in the same position. I mean, what, what were, what did you do during that time? Yeah. So I knew that I really enjoyed shooting video, editing video, being able to tell people's stories. And I knew that I didn't want to leave the college sports atmosphere. Um, that was my fear of getting into local news was, you know, high school's great and all, but that's not really what I'm passionate about. I really love the college game and that's really where I want to stay. So um, I knew some of the elements that I still wanted to uh, stay in and keep as part of my resume. But um, at Piedmont, they were really looking for somebody to take charge of their video broadcasting. And so with that being something that was up and coming here um, had obviously been a part of the field for many years, but um, something that they were really trying to focus in on at the division three level here within our conference was upping the video broadcasts that we offered and having that producing knowledge and um, editing, shooting, um, all of those things really coupled well with what they were looking for here at Piedmont. Now I did not have the statistical knowledge that would even be something that I would be looking for when I'm trying to hire somebody, I wouldn't have hired myself because I didn't have enough experience in my opinion, but through 
what Timmy was able to see in me and see the potential there. Um, I've grown exponentially in this field. And I mean, every time that I get the opportunity to thank him, I owe my career in athletic communications to him because as I said, I wouldn't take a chance on me right now because I don't have enough of the skill set that I think is necessary for this field when I was coming out of college. So that's why I feel like it is so important to um, do those internships, get into the field if this is where you're wanting to go. Now, though, there are so many more opportunities and avenues, even just within this field. There's broadcasting within the collegiate athletic field. There's the strictly statistical sports information side. And then there's all the new media with social media and um, all the different avenues that you can take. So maybe I would stand a little better chance on my own list now than I would have um, when I first came in and with just the mounting list of all the things I knew I didn't know. But um, it's been a, a great transition for me. But I think the biggest thing is just find the things that you're passionate about and pursue those. Um, you don't want to get into a, a career path where um, you're just dreading going to the office day in and day out. It's not what you're looking forward to. It's um, not the thing that just lights your soul on fire. And I think that's the biggest thing is find the things you're passionate about, pursue those. And yes, there are going to be little bits and pieces of it that aren't perfect all the time. And you're not going to be able to just hone in on one specific thing, but um, try and make sure that the good outweighs the bad. And we just talked with uh, Maddie Heaps probably a couple weeks ago. I actually don't know. I I'm losing my timeline with these episodes, <laughs> but um, we actually just talked with Maddie Heaps a little bit about um, uh, uh, like weaknesses, finding weaknesses as strengths. So maybe that's something that people can kind of focus their mentality toward. Um, early on, what was it like trying to balance? I, kn I know you already mentioned it a little bit with making sure everything was covered and everything, but uh, what was it like for you kind of a stress-wise um, or a lifelike wise, uh, trying to find the balance between doing sports information stuff along with that sideline duty? Yeah, that is something that I am not the best at balancing the stress level and finding that work-life balance. Um, it is certainly something that has been uh, a bigger push for me um, over the last couple of years than it was when I first got started. When I first got started, I did not handle it very well. And I'll tell you that that is something that you absolutely need to handle because otherwise it just, it spirals out of control and you're just a stress ball and that's horrible. That's no way to live. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's all about that priorities, uh, figuring out that time management and making time for yourself because it's really hard in this profession um, to just get caught up and there's always more to do. You're, you're never caught up. That's the issue. There's always more games going on. There's always bios that can be written. There's always photos that can be edited. There's just a constant onslaught of information overload. And the thing is being able to figure out that it's okay to step away and it's okay to say, I'm done for the night. We don't have a game at home. It's seven o'clock. I'm getting out of the office and I'm not going to touch anything else tonight. If somebody emails me and there's an emergency, we'll get to it, but it's okay to step away. And that's sometimes the hardest thing to accept and come to an understanding with yourself is being able to walk away and set it down, especially if you're a perfectionist and you want things to be a certain way and always have that to-do list checked off. But um, like I said, it's a constant um, onslaught of information in this field and there's always more that you can do. So I think the thing is just making that um, understanding and that agreement with yourself that it is okay to walk away and it is okay to take some time for yourself and come back with a, a fresh mind um, the next morning because odds are you're probably going to be a little better at your job after you've gotten a little break and time away to kind of reset and come back at it with a new approach. Yeah. Um, I something that really, really bothers me with, with the sporting industry and everything. Yeah, I get it. But the hustle culture, uh, it's just unnecessary. I think necessary and unnecessary. We, we, we talked about being committed and saying yes to certain opportunities, but like you said, there has to be some sort of balance with it. And I think that, um, being sleepless, not getting enough sleep at night and having a lot of work is not a badge of honor. Right. Um, yeah. And I think that that's, that's very, very hard for some people to understand, especially if you are a perfectionist, like what a lot of SIDs are. Even for me, um, it was very difficult last year to kind of, when I get a file at eight o'clock at night, not take care of it right then. You know what I mean? Right. Like after game day. And now this year, I've really focused on if I get, I have a certain time, if I get a game file 
like after X o'clock, like, I think it's like six. I think I've told myself and not, not so much now in the spring, but as it was right. in the fall, but, um, after six o'clock, I'm not worrying about it. I'm going to do it tomorrow and hell, I'm going to make pancakes. I'm going to take my sweet time getting there too, just for your sanity. I think that that should be something that we start putting first and foremost, uh, is our own health. But, um, you've moved up in your own university or your own college. So, uh, what was it like kind of transitioning from an assistant position to a director position? Uh, any adjustment, any sort of, um, maybe things you didn't really expect to experience. Yeah, I mentioned Timmy McCormack was the director of athletic communications here when I came on as the assistant. And um, in the spring of 2017, um, in January, our head women's soccer coach left for Valdosta State and Timmy was an assistant um, with the women's soccer program and um, was moving up to be the head women's soccer coach. And that left a vacancy in athletic communications. They pulled me into the um, athletic director's office. It was with our two assistant ADs, which to me was one of those. And um, the female assistant AD, who's our head women's basketball coach, mouthed, good luck. And I <laughs> had no idea what she was talking about. I was going in blind thinking, okay, we're going to discuss some issue that's come up. All right. And just was blindsided with Timmy's going to be moving up to be our head women's soccer coach. We'd like for you to be our director of athletic communications. And I was blown away, asked for a little bit of time to think about it, um, talked to him at the end of the week and accepted the position and um, moved up into that spot. So where we had had two people um, full time when I was brought on with Timmy, um, we had added a graduate assistant in the fall of 16. Um, so spring 17, he was in his um, second semester with us. And um, suddenly we had gone from having two full-time and one GA to one full-time and one GA and mm -hmm. right as we were getting to crossover season. So it was a very hectic time um, as we were heading into the month of February with basketball season coming or coming to an end. And then um, spring sports, of course, being down here in the South, we like to get baseball started right there at the beginning of February as well. So um, it was a very hectic time. Uh, I had always told Timmy that I don't want your job. And then I was offered it. Yeah. And I like to remind him of that because he's still here in our department. Um, but the fact that he was still here made it a fantastic transition. I mean, it was um, it was a situation I had never envisioned myself in because I didn't think that I was qualified. But the fact that our administration and Timmy believed in me and believed that I was capable of doing it um, really was uh, reassuring for me. And the fact that he was just one door down, um, any questions that I had, he was right there to answer them. So it was as smooth of a transition as I could have asked for. Certainly there were obstacles and challenges, but I am very thankful that they took a chance on me when they've hired me and then when they moved me up as a director as well. What would you say to some people that maybe um, are looking to move maybe up or anything like that? I think what we talked about, gosh, it must've been must've been months ago um, with somebody, I can't remember who about being patient with your own department and, and not leaving so early. So what would you say to those maybe who are kind of uh, looking to move up and maybe do you have any words about being patient or maybe any other pieces of advice as we approach the job hunting season? Yeah, I think patience is a, a very important one because I had plenty of people tell me, Danielle, if you don't get out of Piedmont within the next X number of years, you're going to be stuck there. You're going to just be in a cycle that you can't get out of. And I don't know that to be fact, because as you can see, I've been at Piedmont for five years now, but I've also been offered other opportunities. They haven't worked out to this point, but that doesn't leave me hopeless thinking that, oh, woe is me. I'm going to be stuck at Piedmont forever. And that's not how I feel. I don't feel stuck at Piedmont. It's been mm -hmm. my choice to be here. Um, but I also think that it's it's a balance of taking those observations from outsiders and kind of weighing it against your own, your own thoughts and your own opinions about it and um, not necessarily letting them dictate how you view your situation. Because if I were to see it the way that other people see it that had told me those things, maybe I would feel like I was stuck at Piedmont, like I haven't been able to move somewhere. But I have moved up within our 
department and um, being involved in COSIDA, being involved in committees and um, having the opportunity to present at COSIDA, I, I don't feel like I'm at a stagnant point in my career. And I think that's the biggest thing is always to be moving forward. Even if you're in the same position, um, find new ways to make your department better, find new ways to make yourself better, get involved with um, committees, whether they're through COSIDA, whether it's on campus, whether it's stuff with the NCAA, um, there's plenty of opportunities to continue to grow within the field, whether you're constantly changing position or not. And I think that's the biggest thing to remember is it's not always about title. There are other ways to advance and improve. Awesome. Well, great. I would like to transition this part of the interview where I'd like to ask some fun questions, if that's all right with you. Oh, yeah, let's go. Okay, awesome. Well, the first question I have for you, Danielle, uh, favorite memory in your professional tenure? I'm actually going to say that it was recently we had the opportunity to host the Women's Basketball Conference Championship here, and it was the first championship that we have hosted on site since I've been here at Piedmont, so in five years. Um, first time that we had hosted within being a part of this conference, the USA South, and we had the opportunity to absolutely kill the coverage, and we were able to win the championship on our home court. It was our third straight championship in the USA South for women's basketball, and and it was just an incredible moment to have all of those students here creating that atmosphere and being able to document that. Um, it was just a really special moment for us and the first time that I've been able to hold up a championship trophy and uh, get a picture with the team. So it was really a really fun time and um, definitely a great memory. What about on the other side? What's your biggest horror story? Ooh, horror stories. Well, we had a speaker. I said earlier that it's not game day until something goes wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's especially true on senior day because it's not senior day until something catches on fire at Piedmont because we had a speaker system catch on fire in the press box on softball senior day. Um, I think it was back in 2015 because it was when Timmy was still um, director and I was his assistant. And Timmy actually put out the fire with his hands because it was it was not – this rolling ball of flames, but right, yeah, um, you can get away with it. Yeah, but the uh, the slogan then became "It's not senior day until something catches on fire." <laughs> I hope that's not, <laughs> I hope that's not true. Like every every year, you know, because no. eventually you're gonna run out of stuff to catch on fire. Yeah, resources aren't that high. <laughs> <laughs> um, we talked a lot about uh, some uh, advice we have to young professionals, but uh, what would you say is, is your biggest number one piece of advice to a young professional going into this profession? say yes to opportunities, but don't let that be a no to yourself. Um, say yes to opportunities, take advantage of those things that are placed in front of you. Don't be afraid to say yes, even if you feel like you have no experience in it, but don't let that mean that you're forsaking taking care of yourself because we talked about how important health and wellness is and being able to just take a break from the job and take care of yourself. So um, don't let opportunities pass you by, but at the same time, don't feel like you have to say no to taking a break and taking time for yourself. Awesome. Um, what's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? I would love to learn more about after effects. And I feel like that's probably a very common. Um, yeah, you'd answer. be right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just on the fly, that was the first thing that came to mind um, because there's just an infinite amount of things that you can do with it. And that would be something that would absolutely um, just be a time sucker for me. <laughs> yeah. I think that um, some video editing stuff, depending on who you are, yeah, uh, is another popular one. Um, for me, I think I want to do more illustration stuff for some reason. Ooh, yeah, I, want, yeah. I want to get more into that uh, Adobe Illustrator. I've tried, I bought like, uh, gosh, what's that called? Where you, where you can buy like courses online. There's like a yeah. website, website for it. Uh, I got that to make logos. Didn't work out so far, but uh, <laughs> we're going to keep on trying until something. Time. Yeah, there's still time. I got the whole rest of my life ahead of me <laughs> to keep on making some weird looking bears and lions. Um, but uh, in your mind, what traits or characteristics make a good SID? Um, I think determination and uh, just drive. You've got to be really driven and passionate in this field to um, be successful because it is draining. It takes its toll on you. And I think um, you've got to remember that um, what you're doing, you're doing for the student athletes. And um, we have a great group of student athletes here at Piedmont. And I'm very thankful for that because um, just when you need it, they're there to kind of pick you up and keep you going. I mean, we had a really long weekend with uh, 
softball tournament, baseball tournament, women's basketball tournament, and home lacrosse. And um, the next Monday morning, got out from the gym, and there was a note in my uh, door handle of my truck saying, thank you for all you do for the student-athletes. We appreciate it. And it's hanging on my wall now because, I mean, it was just signed the student-athletes. Um, so don't know who it was from, but just the little things like that um, make it worthwhile. So just remembering that um, they're the reason why we do what we do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've previewed it a little bit here. Work-life balance. What do you do to have fun? Um, well, I got a dog uh, over the Yay. summer. And that tremendously helped my work-life balance because now there's somebody expecting me to come home. Um, <laughs> so that's a really good reason to go home is to uh, let the dog out. So, um, But enjoy taking him going for hikes and just kind of getting out and enjoying the, uh, the area here. We've got a gorgeous area around here in Piedmont, um, in the foothills of the Appalachian mountains and, um, just kind of being able to get outside and, uh, get, get away from campus. Um, feels like I'm here more than I'm not, but, um, just taking some time to get away and, um, having a good group of friends that, um, Obviously, you've got friends within the athletic department, but I think it's also important to have some friends outside of that as well. So you can kind of really separate the two and really just disconnect from the office and get away. Next time someone is in the Piedmont College area, because I don't know that area very well. I don't know <laughs> if there's a lot down there, but uh, next time someone's in that area, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation? Um, I'd say Big Daddy's. Big Daddy's is uh, in Cornelia, which is the town right over. So about 10 minutes from campus. Um, good little hangout spot. Um, they've got Wing Wednesday. So uh, if oh, you're God. in town on a, on a Wednesday, then you go on Wednesdays. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a good little spot and um, always has a good crowd. Awesome. Well, if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, maybe wanted to uh, follow up with you, what would be the best way to do it? Yeah. So my email is dpercival at piedmont.edu. You can also find me on Twitter, um, Danielle underscore faith, or if you just search Danielle Percival in Piedmont college. Um, and then also of course, got to plug the, uh, Piedmont lions. So, uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram at Piedmont lions. Awesome. Well, Danielle, thank you very much for coming on. We really do appreciate it. Thanks David. Guys, there you have it. I know my intro is a little bit long, so I'll just kind of go and run through these things real quick. Uh, next week, we'll have John Keene of the Missouri SNT Miners on the pod. Um, talked to him a while ago before we actually had this uh, uh, new software. That's why that's why Danielle sounds great, and our past couple of guests have sound so well, is because of this new software that we've been using, Zencaster. Uh, but John will be on next week. Is pretty much Division Two basketball, one of the kings of Division Two basketball. So kind of line that up with perfectly with what our events are going on in town and in the area and in the country. Uh, like I mentioned, make sure you follow us on social media. Make sure you subscribe wherever you are, rating and reviewing. And then you also need to sign up for our newsletter, sidcast.fireside.fm slash newsletter. Um, and it's just probably, I think, three questions is all it is. And we will get you signed up and you'll get all the information on sidcast first through that. And then um, also, guys, uh, next week's going to be kind of heavy for me, so I am evaluating whether or not I want to kind of take a break after the Elite Eight. Uh, so I've, I've still got people scheduled, but nobody particularly scheduled for that day. So this message could be completely false, and I could have somebody go out that day, or um, I'll probably announce it ahead of time. But uh, yeah, that, that's what's basically going on. Be sure to join our bracket challenge. And um, yeah, guys, I hope you all are doing well. Good luck with everything. Thank you all for listening. I hope to catch you all in the next episode.